Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, read us over at IndieCornrows.com. I'm really psyched today to be joined by my good friend, Rhett Bauer, from over 8.9 seconds and just uh, in general with the NBA. Rhett, how are you doing today, man? I am doing much better than what I would have been <laughs> yeah. if we had recorded when we originally planned, which was, I believe, after Friday night's game. Uh, no, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back on. And I'm excited to talk about a team that might actually have some life in them now. Well, yeah, well... <laughs> I, I will be honest. I don't want to be the uh, the doomer uh, in here, but I just I mean, I put this out on Twitter and I was I was up front right away. I was like, I don't know what to talk about tonight because this team is uh, I mean, they played beat the shit out of the Chicago Bulls tonight, I think is the easiest way to put it. There just was never really a point where it was in doubt. They got out to a 15 point lead early, forced a timeout like what, like four or five minutes in and they never lost the double-digit lead the rest of the game. I think they lost double-digit lead for a point in the second, but for the most part, the game was really never um, remotely within Chicago's grasp after about the first five minutes. Um, with the caveat that Nicole Vucevic is still out with health and safety protocols, Alex Russo didn't play tonight, and Chicago's coming on out of a back-to-back, and I think they've played like seven games in the last 11 days. So they've been absolutely hammered. This was kind of, I don't want to say scheduled loss for them, Still a good win for the Pacers. You know, it's good to get that on your belt. This is like they were the leading in, leading the Eastern Conference coming into tonight, uh, Chicago was. So it's still a good win. But there is like some nuance with it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that stood out to me about this game is if you looked at the box score, like mid through the third, I think, every starter plus Duarte was right around nine shots which was just bizarre to see such a well-rounded box score and everybody was scoring pretty well. There wasn't anybody who was doing anything crazy, but the thing to me with Chicago, and, and this is going to get off into a more of a general NBA discussion is like, this is kind of the concern for that team without Vooch right now is if Levine and DeRozan aren't just absolutely torching the defense they're just going to struggle because Lonzo, especially tonight, oh of seven from the field, a minus thirty-two. Like, if if they just aren't hitting shots, they weren't getting any stops on the Pacers at all. It was pretty atrocious defensively for them. So, it's just obviously your your winning comes down to your two best players, and I don't think the Pacers really did anything to stop either of them. It just seemed like they weren't hitting shots. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they were six and twenty-eight from three tonight, and I felt. I mean, I've watched the Bulls probably at least half their games this year because they've been so fun to watch. Um, I mean, they were just missing a lot of shots. Even, even I mean, Levine and DeRozan shot pretty well tonight, and I felt like they were missing shots that they're normally hitting. Um, and obviously, all their shooters were missing everything. So, uh, and I don't know, their defense was pretty listless, uh, just in general. Like, I thought both teams, the transition defense was, like, shockingly terrible. Um, not very shockingly terrible for the Pacers. Their transition defense has been abysmal all year, but 
I was like, gonna say you saw transition defense because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, there, there was very little. Like like you said, I mean, every single miss felt like just an automatic run out and like three on one on the back end. Um, so you know, it, it was a very sloppy game despite the the win by the Pacers. So, um, I mean, and that was hedged by the fact that Indiana was hitting everything tonight. Like thirteen to thirty one doesn't sound crazy, but considering how the team started shooting the year, um, pretty nice. Like Karis Levert was. I mean, I don't want to say this was his best game of the year, but it feels like it in some ways. He had 25 on nine shots, which I just – oh, wait, no, 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 I cannot read. That's plus 25. He had 12 on nine shots, which considering where he's been, pretty good. Um, I mean, <laughs> Miles was freaking awesome to start the game. His his rim protection is always – like we can always talk about the rim protection, but he – I mean, four blocks tonight, bombed two threes early. His night was done by the half, pretty much. Uh, he was awesome. Domas was awesome. Who played? I mean, Domas played very late into the game too. Um, very surprising. It was like five minutes into the fourth when they were still up thirty. I was pretty surprised yeah. to see him out there. Multiple substitution opportunities. I, maybe just trying to get him to facilitate more. I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really get what was up with that. Goga ended up playing the last five. I would have had real questions if Goga didn't see any court time. But yeah, I, he probably should have been in earlier. But, yeah, I mean, Justin Holiday continues to look fantastic. He was 4-7 from three tonight. Um, you just kind of had the, the whole crew was hitting shots, except Chris. Chris Duarte was a little off. But um, he still hit shots, but, I mean, 3-11 of 11 from the field overall. He still looks a little bit banged up with that shoulder. Um, Caitlin Cooper mentioned it on Twitter. I don't even know why I said her last name. Everybody knows who Caitlin is. It's <laughs> literally her pod. Um, but – yeah, I mean, he, he was rubbing his shoulder coming back down every time after drawing any kind of contact offensively. So definitely worth noting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, did you have any other any other big uh, – not, not even big, but like any other like player takeaways from this? It still seems like they're not using Domas as much as like a facilitator role. Obviously, he's still involved in the actions, but I kept waiting for him to be dishing out of the screen short roll dish. And that just didn't really happen as much as at least from what I saw, I thought it was great. that He was five of five from the line. And then obviously getting 21, 11 and four, like that's just going to be good, but it didn't seem like nothing great was happening on either end for the Pacers. It was just a matter of making shots. And so I was a little bit surprised I think Miles sometime in the second quarter had like five pick and roll possessions where he had his hand up and had Ayo Desumu on him and just didn't get the ball. It was, it was pretty crazy to see. It felt like he was wide open, but he just kept, kept going through the motions and, and rolling and not getting the ball, which was just hilarious. But it was, you said Kara scored 25 and I was like, Oh yeah. I, cause it seemed like he scored 25 points. He he was yeah. actually doing pretty well tonight despite going off two from three, but yeah, I mean, just across the board, it seemed like they just did okay, but I'm not taking very much away from this game because of Vooch being out, Caruso being out, and the Bulls just not hitting outside of their outside of DeRozan, who shot 50%. Everybody else was just kind of kind of rough. So it's not like there wasn't some defensive breakthrough for the Pacers that we can look to build on. It was just a weird game, I think. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned too, it was it was hard to take away anything with with Domas because as good as he was, like a lot of it was 
okay, they just kept running pick and roll. And, and Quinn was like, I think, yeah, Quinn Buckner said on the on the broadcast, oh, we, I mean, Brogdon's just picking them apart. I'm like, no, I mean, yes, Brogdon's hitting the roller, but also like they just were not making backline rotations very often, uh, at least not with the consistency that they have all year for Chicago because um, they rely so much on their low man rotating over or, or even sometimes they'll throw in high tags to try and stunt. Um and that was just not there at all tonight. And again, credit to Domas. He was awesome. But I mean, the team took 34 shots at the rim, which feels like the highest it's been in forever. Um, and a lot of that was, yeah, it would, it would mean like the Domas may as well have been Moses parting the Red Sea tonight every time he got the ball on the roll. So it, it didn't like, matter who was yeah. around. They were just yes. getting out of his way, it seemed like. And yeah. that was Tony Bradley had bizarre. nothing for him tonight. Uh, Tony no. Bradley has honestly been solid this year, but yeah, not, not for Domas. That was, uh, there was nothing there for him. Um, Derek Jones was not great either. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it, again, hard to take away too much from tonight. Um, I think your point about being a scheduled loss for the Bulls is absolutely right because it, they just have played so much back to back. No Caruso, who's been incredible for them this year and would have been a great matchup for the Pacers for the three guard lineup that they typically run out there, like throwing Kobe White into that starting lineup does not do what Caruso does and uh i mean you can't put it all on missing one player or two players like vooch especially when the pacers are missing tj warren too but like crusoe's been so huge for them that i mean missing him tonight back to back i mean it's just like eh. especially when they were losing so much in the second quarter you could kind of just tell it was it was just kind of over at that point yeah no no i'm i'm right there with you man uh i guess we can we can talk about a little overarching things number one very cool that the team actually won all four quarters. I was uh, I was just gritting my teeth waiting for, you know, despite being up by so much at half. I think they're yeah up twenty at half or twenty one at half. I was just waiting for them to you know piss it away in the third quarter as we've gotten accustomed to. Um, and nope, they they clamped it up. They actually had I think that was their best defensive quarter. They only allowed up fifteen points. Um, so yes, it was very nice to see that after like the worst third quarter team in basketball. Uh, it's close to it. I, I know they're not the full-on worst, but it's it's very close to it. Um, so that was nice to see. But I guess it was I'm looking funny because my family's over, and I was like, "Hey, they got this twenty-point lead. I bet you it's down to like six by the end of the third, and then it's a <laughs> yeah. game for the fourth quarter." And I was wrong. So look at me. It's good to be wrong sometimes. Um, I guess I, I would ask you because I mean we we still talk pretty regularly, but I haven't gotten to ask you as much about where you're at with the team. Um, they're eight and eleven now. Uh, this will put them. I'm trying to look right now. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, they'll be ahead of Toronto or right behind Toronto in the standings, but should go up soon, um, given how Toronto is going. But I mean, granted, you have no idea with where Indiana is going right now. But Atlanta won again. Philadelphia is playing right now, so um, they'll be right in that range still between eleven and fourteen, kind of fighting for that, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, where are you at with how? how things are going over the last couple of weeks after kind of looking like they were hitting a turning point. And then uh, last week happened and you get a win a turning here, point in great, a different way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost. Um, but... I I mean, they, 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 they beat Chicago tonight and now they play the Lakers on the 24th with LeBron coming back uh, after his suspension that was somehow shorter than Isaiah Stewart's, but um, you know, also uh, shorter than Jokic's, which yeah, yeah, zero there's, consistency there's a lot at there. all. Love there's that. There's a lot there, but 
Um, I mean, this schedule is incredibly tough coming up. So, I mean, how do you feel going into this? Because this is, I mean, I keep saying it, it feels like we can say it's gut check time for this team every two games, but this next week's going to be really telling about where they're going to be at uh, by the end of the year. Yeah, I think every game right now is pretty much a gut check for this team because I don't think we know what they are. And I don't mm-hmm. know if they even know who they are because like Caitlin's been all over it on Twitter and she's absolutely right. Is like, imagine using your post hub as a post hub, like crazy thought because they just haven't been doing that. And I don't know why. I don't know if they're just seeing what else works, but like with the slide that the team has been on, obviously that it's been a little bit better lately just with the last two games, but like, why, why are we not trying to maximize our players? Like it's just been really bizarre to put players in roles that don't really make a ton of sense, but they're, they're obviously better than third worst in the East. I don't think there's any question about that, but I don't know how much better because the Cavs losing section is going to be big. Cause I thought the Cavs were going to end up making the play in like they were, they were incredible. So just like, the team itself, I don't really know, but the team relative to the East is a little bit concerning with how they don't seem to know what they want to do while these other teams seem to be kind of finding themselves in a little bit. I, I don't know. We, we both watched the league a little bit. We might be able to speak to that. You can probably speak to it more than I can, but it just doesn't seem like the Pacers know who they are, what they want to do, and that's just a little bit concerning considering we're almost 20 games in the year. Yeah, um, just to take stock really quick. Uh... I mean, you're making good points. Like, I think Detroit and Orlando are clearly out of it already. Um, like, I think Detroit's looking a lot better with with Cade coming along. And, I mean, Cade's been – he was fantastic against the Lakers, really damn good against the Pacers in, in that that game. Um, but, yeah, I think Toronto – I'm not really sure where to gauge Toronto at, but this team has lost to Toronto. They have real trouble with that team. And, and their length and athleticism, Pascal is back and they're still figuring that out. Um, Atlanta presumptively is going to be better. They've looked better over the last week and a half or so. Um, Five game win streak. So that's pretty big. Yes. Like they are looking like they're starting to figure some shit out. And I think part of that is unfortunately because of DeAndre Hunter going down, but also like that helped them figure out some of their rotation stuff. Um, and more importantly, Clint Capella just looks like Clint Capella again. Philadelphia. I think they're tied. Yeah, they're tied with Sacramento right now. I have the game on in the background. Um, They've been on a skid, but also their entire starting lineup is out right now. So I can't take that much from that. With Joel Embiid healthy, they were the number one seed in the East. Part of that was schedule, but also they were just playing really well and had something going. Um, Boston also sneakily starting to figure things out. They're in their last seven. They're, They're five and two. And I think they, they won tonight. So in their last eight, they're six and two. Their defenses look better. They still have offensive questions, but Jason Tatum is shooting a lot better from the field now and looks like he's um, kind of rounding back into form. Milwaukee just beat the absolute shit out of Orlando tonight. It was 79 <laughs> to 25 in the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, what that in was, the world? was ugly. Uh, Milwaukee, like, I, I, I don't understand quite where some people come from. Like, a lot of people have been complaining about about the Bucks being like, what's wrong with them? Why, why are they why are they bad? Well, they're Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez have all missed significant time to start the year. 
mostly just been Giannis and and Thanasis starting. So and then Grayson Allen, like yeah, that's literally Grayson has actually been really good for them. He's been so fantastic. Been cool. Um, but yeah, they're going to be much better. Um, the Knicks are in kind of a similar spot as the Pacers, albeit they just had a better start. Um, but they have really struggled to to kind of find any footing after their first seven or eight games. Cleveland, I'm right there with you. Uh, Darius Garland went down tonight and he ended up coming back, but they lost a tight game to Brooklyn, uh, which is kind of like, it feels like it's going to be the story for them without Mobley um, and without Sexton too, just really struggling to win some of these close games. They play well enough to be in them, but not quite win them. Um, But I do think there's like Cleveland is still good. It's just going to be, what does the quarrel start to look like? And they get a little bit more out of the offense. Markinen, I think, came back tonight too. Um, so, you know, they're getting healthier, but it just depends. Charlotte, I don't know if I want to say like that I have like a great grasp on them because their their defense has been better recently. Um, I think they're 10th in defense or uh, like two days ago, they were 10th in defense over the last two weeks. And I don't think that's changed that much because they played pretty solidly defensively against the Wizards tonight and won that game. So they're 11 and eight now. Uh, Washington's kind of been hovering around 500 after starting as well as they did. And part of that is with guys being on the lineup and they still have guys coming back from injury soon. Um, and obviously Brooklyn and, and Chicago and Miami are all, I think like a, a step above everyone else in the East other than Milwaukee. So yeah, when you look at everything, yes, the Pacers team might be rounding into form, but like, okay, every team in the East has their shit together to a degree. Um, and maybe again, reductive way to put it, like they're like like we pointed out. I think Cleveland and, and the Knicks are clearly two teams that are trying to figure some things out still. Mostly Cleveland is just due to injury, but um, I don't know. Uh, this team like really needs. That's like really, geez, I sound like I'm for Mean Girls, but this team really needs a good stretch of basketball. Like you, you look at this upcoming schedule, the Lakers, who honestly, I don't want to say that that's an unwinnable game or anything, but uh, the Lakers haven't been good, but I also just, this team tends to struggle playing against LeBron James. So um, <laughs> that not just in the playoffs. Um, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like that team's going to be, and this sounds very narrative-y, but coming off of that game that they just had against Detroit, um, it's hard to see them not coming out very ready to, to compete. But, I mean, that's a very tough game automatically. Like, that's a team that's close to it. I mean, they are above 500, if I remember correctly. I can't – Jesus, I, let me pull up the stats. Is Yeah, the Lakers are above – they are 500 right now, so close enough. But sorry, I'm rambling on and on. You you go ahead. You no, you're this. good. It's just like so right now the Bucks are seven, Knicks are eight, Sixers are nine, Cleveland is ten, Atlanta eleven, Toronto twelve, Pacers thirteen. So like are right now the Pacers, Raptors, and Hawks are missing the play-in game while the Cavs and Knicks make it. So are the Pacers gonna end up being better than the Raptors, Hawks, and the Knicks to make the play-in game? I, I don't know. Like, I legitimately don't know. I know the Knicks are having some issues, but they've got – I mean, it's Tibbs, so I just assume that they're going to end up figuring their crap out. Yeah. The Hawks, obviously, a lot of what they 
need to be doing relies on Clint Capella. And now that he's looking healthy and what you said about DeAndre Henner going down, kind of fixing some issues with them. It sucks to say, but that's exactly what it is. Like it's just rotation. They had such a stuck, like a, a stuffed rotation. There's so many guys that should probably be getting minutes. They just can't find them all. And so I'm just not sure. And then like Toronto could easily, you know, they could finagle their way and get down towards the bottom three in the East, just to try and make their situation a little bit better. And obviously we've got any sort of trade possibilities with any of these teams, but I just, the Pacers could figure it out and still end up 11th and not in the play-in game. And that's just a really scary thought for me, just looking looking at the future of this team. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's what's so tough with this team is I just, I mean, if, if I had to ask you right now, what do the Pacers hang their hat on? Like, what is their go-to every night? We've been talking about it all season. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and that's part of what's uh, frustrating about that is like we've talked about, like, I, I I have my fingers crossed because I've had people from all over the league reaching out to me like, is is Rick finally giving up some of the play calling and letting Domas do his thing now? Like, it's not just the us noticing an Indiana thing. Like, it's starting to go out around the league a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see if this is something that's going to uphold. Because, again, tonight, I, I want to go back and watch tonight uh, because I was, you know, I think partially we didn't get to see it to a degree. Also, I wasn't fully paying attention to that. I was just like, holy shit, they're blowing a team out. It's amazing. Um, yeah. But I, I don't want to just say that New Orleans was a one-off. But, um, I mean, I, I like I more. I hope that New Orleans wasn't a one-off and we get to see more of that because that was, that was good. And, again, it's tough because, again, like as much as I want to be excited about New Orleans, New Orleans is like the second worst team in the NBA this year. So, yeah, it feels they're like next- there's caveats with everything. Yeah, their next 12 games are incredibly difficult. Like the the only teams that they play in there that aren't almost playoff locks are Minnesota and then all the way on the back end of that their 12th game is Detroit and the game after that is Miami. And so it's like Lakers, Toronto, Milwaukee, Wolves, Hawks, Heat, Wizards, Knicks, Dallas, Golden State, Milwaukee, Detroit, Miami, like just go down the list. And these next 12 games are going to be the difference between whether or not this team can make the playoffs, I think. Because once you, like, you're already sitting here at 8 and 11 after a very nice win tonight, those 12 games are just, that's just a hellish stretch of basketball. And for a team who doesn't really have their crap figured out, who may not have their crap figured out. That is just not the kind of stretch that you need to figure it out. Unless you just like, you know, iron sharpens iron and you decide to go in there and just, you look at the games ahead of you and you realize you have to figure it out or you're going to be out of it way sooner than you should be for a team that's supposed to be in the playoff race. Yeah. Um, no, exactly. Uh, and it's just, it's a little bit frustrating because I think you look at this team um, I mean, we've talked about it before. They're a team that can't in a in a way I, I want to say that they can't afford injuries. I mean, because we know they're going to happen regardless. But um, especially 
uh, looking at things offensively with without having the defense really figured out this year. Like it's been better, but still not completely ironed out. Um, I mean, it's harder for them to craft wins together when they don't have the full unit together. Um, like, yes, the defense has been better over the last two weeks. They're fourth in defense um, over the last two weeks, not including today. Um, oh, actually, no, that is including today. But I don't know. Like, the, the offense is just so messed up with the starters right now. And I, I do imagine them gel together because, while I have been really hard on it, like, what I mean, Karras and Brogdon have been in the same backcourt for was this maybe their fifth game together? I think year? fourth or fifth, yeah, yeah. And they've played that makes I think like thirty games in their entire career together, if that. Um, if you include last year, it's probably less. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I I just don't really know what to think about it. Uh, I don't really. I my I know this is like my least nuance nuance geez, least nuance podcast of all time, but. Um, I, I don't know. I, all right, so let's 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 phrase it like this. So this team's eight and eleven right now. Yep. Uh, all right. So they beat Chicago tonight. It's eight and eleven. Do you have them beating? If, if playing the Lakers on the twenty fourth, yeah, win or loss? That's a loss. Okay. Uh, playing Toronto on twenty sixth, win or loss? That's probably a loss. See, I don't know. I think they'll figure it out against Toronto. Toronto's been I, Toronto's such a weird team for them because if yeah, if Toronto really, figures it out, like, like that's a super tough matchup for the Pacers. Toronto's thirtieth in defense uh, over the last two that's weeks. Unreal. Yes, that's happened. Um, Scotty is a rookie, believe it or not. He's been very bad defensively. Uh, part of it has been what they're asking to do, but um, good guy Scotty Barnes tanking his play while Mobley's out to keep the rookie of the year race close. Yes, I appreciate that. Uh, because Evan Mobley should be the rookie of the year right now. But, um, yep. well, I just like looking at this next 12. So, okay, you can, you can, you can pull your head everything. Milwaukee, that's a loss. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, we've, we know that. Uh, Minnesota, that's possible. But uh, n- home against the Bucks, loss, and then traveling to Minnesota back to back. That's tough. That's yeah. not great. Then you get a, like a, se- a six game home stretch at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami, uh, Washington. You probably beat Washington. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Knicks. They had problems with them earlier because, again, like uh, I mean, that's when you are 140 to, points. Think, um, somebody said something to me about uh, the Pacers playing slow, and I was like, it's not just playing slow; it's that they are slow. Like they don't yes. have. Like, they're almost built in some ways like a 90s team, it feels like. And not even in terms of, like, having two centers, but just, like, right. a lot of bigger players at their position who aren't very quick. Right. Um, and that's why we've seen some of the issues defensively this year because they're, they they struggle so much to contain the ball one-on-one that they have to resort to hedging or soft trapping. Um, and you see some of that play out. And, I mean, I think you see that offensively, too. Like, T.J. McConnell is obviously very fast, but even, like, Malcolm Brogdon is – like he gets going downhill, but I wouldn't necessarily call him fast. Karras is like more east-west than you know being super fast or anything. There's just, I mean, Karras was better defensively Correct. tonight, but I just think you look at everything, um, it's it's hard to to see any real matchup there. I don't remember where I was going with that entirely, but point being, team is it's slow. just like looking over these next teams, like yeah. it's just not going to be great. Yes, exactly. Um, 
Oh yeah, no, I mean with Washington, like <laughs> Spencer, had... Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley. Oh Hill, yeah, like they have very, very much a lot of trouble containing either of those guys. Um, so I think you can look at it and say, all right, both the Milwaukee games that happened that twelve game stretch, uh, probably not wins. But I also think, okay, if this team is going to be a team that makes the playoffs, they have to find a way to go out a win. Um, I, what year was it? Was it in eighteen nineteen? It was either the year where Vic was injured or the year before when they found a way to beat Milwaukee in one of the games. Part of it was Thad. Thad is like sneakily one of the best players at guarding Giannis in the, in the NBA one-on-one. Still not very good at it, but like he's good enough at it. Even though we noticeable. keep telling people that he's sneakily one of the best players to guard Giannis, like he's still under the We only get aspect. like 400 listeners a pod. So, you know, we're not <laughs> telling that many people. Um, Golden State, uh, that's – that's <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean – so let's say, all right, this team goes six and six over the next 12, and that would be a good stretch. That's uh, optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think six and six is almost optimistic. So that puts you at, at 14. And, and then 17. you're and not only that, but you're also, yeah, but then you're losing to a lot of the teams that are ahead of you. Like Toronto's in there, Atlanta's in there, Milwaukee's in there, Miami, Washington, New York. Like these are a lot of teams that you have to be beating that I just don't, I don't know. And that's not even factoring in like any sort of injury either way, either team. Like it's just, it's a really rough stretch and I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I feel like if we end up doing this, like around Christmas, like say we get through the next 15 games, we could have this exact same podcast with a different record and (laughs) no, it would not be a surprise. Like we could rerun this and it wouldn't be a surprise at all. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like they have to go eight and four to be 500. Um, so it's like, exactly. It's, that's tough. But I also think at the same time, all right, there is a chance and I do want to be optimistic for a second. I do think there is a chance the team could do that. Um, I don't think it's likely, but I do think there's a chance where they could go, you know, above 500 in this next stretch because they are finally having not things aren't necessarily clicking on court entirely, but they have health for the first time in forever. Like, and, and, um, you know, they finally had opportunities for everybody to kind of be together and gel together. Um, I guess the question I would ask you, because I think this is what's really important in the next stretch. How have you felt about Malcolm and Karras together as a backcourt offensively? It seems weird because yeah. it it's almost like a conscious effort of my turn, your turn. And there's not a whole lot of sharing between the two of them in various actions, unless it's just like the token handoff at the start of every single set that does pretty much nothing that just gets people moving in one direction or another. I don't feel like there's a, there's been a good like stretch of play where, you know, Karis is getting into the teeth of the defense and kicking it out to Brogdon who's spotting up. It just kind of seems like they're both individually running their own two man game, even though they might be sharing the court. Like, does that make sense? Is it, is there, are you seeing the same thing or am I just completely looking no, too deep in? No, I feel the same. And I think part of it is tough because uh, like we're looking at everything in terms of they're trying to run everything through through Karis and Malcolm um, or more everything through Malcolm. And it's been, uh, I mean, Kayla and I talked about this a little bit on our, our latest pod together, but Karis is just not seeing teammates well. No, um, not at all. Every and, all those miles possessions I was talking about, that was Karras as a ball handler. Yeah, I mean, he is as much as he sh- he shot well tonight. He did not find his teammates well at all. Um, and I don't know what's been up with that because 
uh, well, I, I think I do to a degree see why, why part of that's been up. Like the, the, the pick and roll possessions just have not been the same. It's been a lot of him, um, you know, resorting more to, to getting his own shot and then and creating and getting all the way downhill. Like we saw that first game, I can't remember who it was against. Um, it actually was the Toronto game because the Toronto game was his first game back. I think uh, he was just like tremendous coming out of the gates, got, got all the way to the rim like five or six times in that first half and created a lot out of it. And that just hasn't been consistent. And I think that's something that we, I mean, you and I both probably came in banking on this year and hoping for. Um, so I think that's something that you want to see more of. I mean, Malcolm has shot better-ish recently, but still not great. Like he had an awesome outing against the Pelicans. So his numbers skyrocketed. Like I think before the Pelicans game, he was shooting 29%. And now, you know, he was, he shot 46 the other night. Right so now. he's been, yeah, crazy good. Um, like since he came back from, from when he was inactive, he shot 38% from deep on six and a half a game now. So it's looking better. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's, I don't really think it's been that much of him being off ball or anything. It's just been the shot going down more off of looks. Um, geez, I lost my place again. Sorry, but no point. Like, okay. So you have guys who are getting hot, but again, a lot of it is going to come down to can things settle down in the half court because, uh, it what's, what's been, well, I, I keep saying what's been weird. A lot of things have been weird. Like this team's eight and 11. <laughs> That's why you keep saying it. Yeah. yeah. This, this team's eight and 11 and they're 11th in offense and 12th in defense right now. And I just don't see it with either to a degree, like the defense. Yes. I think miles has been so good. Um, miles had a slow start in my opinion, uh, to the year, uh, not just offensively. Like he, he did have that slow start offensively, but also defensively, he didn't fully look himself to a degree coming off of the toe injury from last year. Um, but he's been, I mean, fantastic in, in pick and roll and just all over the place, especially locking down the rim and what he's been doing. He's looked very good. Um, and I do kind of I, – I don't really trust the defense in terms of being like top five, but I do think that's kind of like uh, – that's at least seeming to have itself figured out. But I still just – every time I watch the offense, I scratch my head and I'm like, I just don't know about that being a top 11 offense every time I look at it. Um, but I'm, I'm like talking myself in circles. You go ahead. No, you're good. It's just – you're exactly right because if you had asked me what their – where they were in both, I would have said like 15 to 17 range mm -hmm. because that's just what it feels like. It feels like an average to below average, like right in the middle, but they just lose all the close games. And I am shocked to see that it's better than that because it just does not look like it at all. It doesn't seem like there's hardly any resistance at the point of attack. There's, I mean, offensively like you said like we've been talking about it's just been rough and i don't know why it's it almost seems like it's deliberate like they're doing things on purpose to put themselves in situations that are not ideal and i don't i don't know how much of that is just trying to grow players seeing what else people can do if they're just i I, I don't know. I don't have any idea. And it's, it's kind of frustrating to like, to see you, we have these players, they can do certain things and to see them not 
be asked to do those things or to be put in positions to succeed doing the things that they're best at. And we talked about it during the preseason. It was weird. And it's kind of carried over to the regular season in a way that I just cannot still believe is a talking point, like 17 games in the season. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Um, well, I guess last thing that, that I would want to close out on, first of all, if, if I had to ask you right now, uh, what would you think cleaning the glass has their expected win, uh, win total across 82 games at? Um, if I remember correctly, the Pacers are one of the teams that have a positive net rating that are under 50%. Yeah. So I would say cleaning the glass probably has them at like 40 and 42. Uh, it has expected win total at 49.6 wins on here. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. So what? they're going on an amazing second half tear. Uh, or I guess oh second, uh, second, third, uh, third quarters quarter. tear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 How are we already quoted the way into the year? That's kind of wild. But, um, I mean, last thing I want to close out on, Chris Duarte, what have you thought of him? I haven't really just asked you about Chris Duarte, but um, I've been so impressed with him, man. And I know, again, he had a 3 of 11 night tonight, but uh, I think every time that he he doesn't play or you see minutes without him, like you kind of see how important he is to the team. Uh like in some ways, he's not he's not that same level of shooter that, that Doug is. Like he's a better off the dribble shooter. I don't think he's the same level of off screen shooter yet. Um, I think that's something that I'm I'm hoping to see from him moving forward. I mean, having the off dribble shot is so huge. But but point being, like you want to see him get to that level as a screen guy. But um, you know what he brings coming off of like you know one or two dribbles inside the arc. I want to see him get all the way to the rim more. But like he still has some of that in his bag. But. Um, He's just been such an awesome fit. Yeah. And seeing what he's brought has been really freaking cool. And you can see how even in some ways he's growing more. Like he had a couple of rough spots in in, in pick and roll as a passer tonight. Like he had a completely premeditated read that he threw to the corner. Um, and I think Javante Green stole it. But more importantly, like you're seeing him working through some things. And he has grown as a pass this year. Like he's hitting the pocket pass with more regularity and um, I don't know, man. I just really enjoyed watching him. It has been a nice bright spot seeing him contribute the way he has and, and, and still having like a positive impact. His impact goes far beyond the box score because I feel like he is one of the best pacers in terms of getting in the mix for offensive rebounds. Cause he, he has a nose for the ball and just like some sort of basketball IQ instinct sort of a thing where he's in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. and i mean the buzzer beaters are always awesome i don't know if we've if we've felt like more comfortable with a guy putting up a buzzer beater since i i don't know when i guess vic for 2017 season, but, 18 vic yeah 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 but like seeing that from a 24 year old rookie in his first 20 games is just really impressive and i mean you can point to the poor shooting. You can point to the, I mean, he's not assisting that much and defensively he's not doing near as much as what he was in summer league, which because it's, it was summer league, but he's still really solid. He gets put on Kimba Walker. Like he was very, he was very much missed in that assignment when we played the Knicks the second time this season. So it's just been great. I, I think that there was definitely some hesitation taking him from, from the fan base for sure. I think he's silenced all of that and been one of the most impactful pacers this season. And you're absolutely right. When he's not out there, it just 
doesn't look as good. Like he just looks like a player and he does a lot of right things. And I'm, I'm very excited to see him do more and, and get his legs under him to the point where he can start adding to and, and improving on things that are less about just getting familiar with the NBA game and more about finding his game in the NBA. Yeah. And I think to build on that too, uh, like he is kind of the one guy who I think you can look at that's not in the starting lineup. I mean, he technically is in the starting lineup, but other than like Justin, and I think even to a degree, Justin is tough because if his, if his three is not falling, he's really struggling to contribute to a degree offensively. Like he's good at making, you know, the second pass and, and keeping plays alive. But um, you know, if his jumper is not falling, that's, that really hinders what he can do as a player with Chris. Um, I mean, he's kind of the one guy on the team outside Justin who you can say, okay, he's, he's going to contribute on both ends and he's not just a shooter. Like if his jumper's not going, yeah, I, ideally you need his jumper going, but like he can attack a closeout or he can, he can still move the ball. He can do a little bit more. Like he just brings enough juice Um outside that that it makes a difference and again like it's different with tj mcconnell because like if he has the ball in his hands sure but so often this year he hasn't had the ball in his hands when he's with second unit so it looks different but i mean quietly tory craig has uh has has really struggled from deep the last couple games Uh, i think he did tonight too i don't have the stats right in front of me but um like as as good as keelan martin has made himself um he is not really uh like, and when I talk about like somebody who's going to make a play, I, I don't mean like, yes, having some like Keelan can, if he gets the ball and he's not going to shoot, he'll, he'll pass it, but also he likes to shoot and he's, he's solid at it. But also like, if he's coming off of a screen, like if he's coming out of pick and roll, that ball is going up um, 90% of the time. So like, I think I look at Chris and like, there are enough times where, especially too, when, when he's not more of a primary, like when he was more of a primary, I think you saw a lot of his deficiencies as a playmaker right now where he was getting some tunnel vision. But I think, you know, if he's coming off second side and his shot isn't there, he's good at finding the right guy to, to, to get it off to um, while still impacting the defense. And I think that's just something that, that you don't get out of a roster that's kind of comprised of a lot of um, players who, who do struggle to make an impact on both ends to a degree. Tory Craig tonight was 0 of 1 in his last nine games. And he's been he checking out of shots. 13 13- Yes, yes, very much so. 13% from three over the last nine games, which is kind of cherry-picked, but I just went to the last game that he didn't hit a three, and that's just what it was. Duarte brings a level of versatility that I that you said it. Him and Justin are really the only two that you can pencil in as like, okay, contributing on both ends. And that's just that's another thing that I have issue with, is it seems like there's a lot of not one-dimensional because that's extremely reductive, but like there's just not a lot of versatility on the it's roster. A lot of situational guys, I think would be the way. To yeah, play. exactly. Exactly. And right now, and like, as soon as you have an injury, that situation changes. And now all of a sudden, Justin holiday is in the starting lineup and not doing as well. Thankfully we have Duarte. So he's going to start and it's not that big of a deal, but then you've got your Keelan Martins in there and you got your Tory Craig's who has to be in there as a big wing. Who's not shooting the ball very well. So it's just, it's, it's very interesting that, we the obviously the injuries suck there's no doubt about that but like it it exposes the roster in a way that i'm very thankful to see chris duarte step up and make an impact in that 
like absolutely immediately. And it's, it's been awesome to see. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, and I think that's part of what's so tantalizing about the idea of TJ coming back. And I still don't know if that, I just don't know what to make of it. Most of the time Who? I just no, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just want to be healthy. You know, I absolutely, I don't really have a ton of expectations for him coming back and what he's going to look like. Cause it's been so long with him being on court, but I mean, that just gives you the idea, like um, imagining Chris and Justin both being able to come off the bench is like, wow, that's kind of cool. Um, like that, then you actually start looking at like, okay, the depth is kind of legit and it makes more sense rotationally. I actually do think it makes things a little bit more confusing rotationally because then it's like, okay, well, who is the closing five? Um, because I think to a degree, like Caitlin and I talked about this earlier this year, like, um, you're probably not closing with one of the centers if you have both TJ Warren and Chris Duarte who are able to play defense and shoot. Like, you, you need that. Talking um, about versatility, that yeah. is a way to have versatility exactly. on the court. That is a far ways, a ways off from now, though. But, uh, yeah, man, I think that is a good place to leave off. I rambled a lot on this podcast, so thank you for <laughs> that. Uh, to everyone who listened, thank you for sticking all the way through if you did. Rhett, uh, is there anything that, that you want to plug or, or mention before we get out of here or anything you're excited about? Uh, I'm excited for a lot of basketball and a lot of food in the next couple of days. But, yeah, I've got I've got my podcast over on Sports Ethos, uh, punt intended for fantasy basketball with a dynasty lens. Uh, we have a lot of fun on there. Had a couple of big guests. Uh, Roosh Williams and Zach Noble actually just interviewed Miles Turner. So they were both on our show individually talking about the Rockets and the Timberwolves, which was fun. Had a bunch of other team coverage uh, just expectations for the season and then a bunch of other play rankings and stuff like that. So we have a bunch of good stuff over there again, punt intended over at sports ethos. So be sure to check those out. If you don't mind some fantasy basketball talk, I will have some links to those down below. Rhett, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate you. So I guess you're not up that late. So I, you know, I don't appreciate you that. Oh, it's much. mountain time, baby. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Dude, I still need to move out to whenever I, I finally am getting to a place where I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. So maybe I will be able to, uh, to cobble up enough money to move out to like Colorado or something and not live uh, on Eastern standard uh, poverty time, uh, trying to keep up with basketball <laughs> that's starting at like 11 PM. It's absolutely abysmal. Um, I literally would move out to the mountains just so I can watch basketball without falling asleep. Like I said, all my family is here and they're like, wow, the game started like six. I was like, yes, yes, they do. It's amazing. Number one perk to living out here for sure. Well, Rhett, I appreciate you, man. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving to everyone listening. I am not going to have a podcast until probably next Monday. So, uh, I hope that you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope that the Pacers games go well. I, I, I shouldn't say that I won't have a podcast. It might happen. I'll have my headphones with me. I won't have my mic. Anything is possible. Um, there might be some written stuff. Uh, regardless, we'll be covering things over Indy Cornrows. Thank you for listening. Have a good rest of your day or start to your day or whatever it is. And, and just, you know, enjoy your Thanksgiving if you celebrate it or not. And thanks for, thanks for listening.